I always get this wrong because I was about to say it's what a child would wear, but shouts are the guys that get the girls on, aren't they? Chats yes. Chats are cool. Who, what do you call, what is the opposite I mean, of the chat? chat? Um, I don't remember. I don't know, actually. Remember. Yeah. Does chat is what incels call, like, guys who get, guys the girls, who get yeah. girls, I guess. Is it just incel? <laughs> Whatever your name is. I know that for women, it's like Chad and Stacy. Virgin and Stacy. Virgin versus Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I, want that, that, <laughs> I want that remake. I want that rewrite of Ben of Jack uh, Jack and Zara. <laughs> <and Sarah. laughs> Chad and Stacy. <laughs> um, we only have one topic. <laughs> Why did we watch this? The podcast where three friends sit down, uh, watch a not so hot movie uh, with a hopefully not so bad drink. Yeah, three just friends watch a movie. Three just friends. <laughs> just three friends. <laughs> I am your host for this week, Lee. I need my skate to show off my talents, Don Hanty. I'm Chris. I love salmon. It's the perfect color for bedroom. So relaxing, Ravel. And I am Brendan. Chris. Chris, 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 Chris. I'm busy. Chris. I'm busy too, stupid dick. <laughs> and if you could not tell from those nicknames, we have just finished watching 2005's Just Friends. Roger Cumble, starring uh, Ryan Reynolds, mm. Amy Smart. You also got Anna Faris, Chris yep. Klein, and Christopher Marquette. Who and Julie Mark. Haggerty. Julie Haggerty, and in a... Uh, award-winning. Yes. Yeah, yes. truly. Um, the role she was born to play. That's right. Stephen Root appears briefly as a scumbag. Mm-hmm. Lannis Morissette was cut from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was mentioned, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is quite the movie. Yeah, it is. And it, there's a lot to take in here. It's very dated. It's very, very dated. Very rooted in Very rooted in its time. Yeah. Very rooted in its time, and there is something correct about doing this sort of Christmas-ish movie mm. now um, after Christmas. The thing to remember though mostly is that this is our Valentine's Day episode. Yes. Right. Our rom-com episode. I think had I known, had I seen this movie, I would have suggested that we do a different a movie. Disre- yeah, maybe a more romantic movie. A movie that's coming up in like two months mm. and swapped the two. But on the other hand, you got to do this close to Christmas. Yeah, you do. You don't want to lose that vibe. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we are living in the same sort of winter. winter. Up here yes, we are. <laughs> Um, We're all trapped here in our town. It was yeah, like, we, how many how many nor'easters have we had blow through? one coming Sunday. Yep, and one oh, coming Jesus up. Jesus Christ. Um, get ready for it. So how did we get through this movie? What did we drink to numb the pain? Well, <laughs> to drink this... To drink this movie. To drink this movie. The drink that we made for this movie is called the Sugar Mountain Supreme. And what this drink was, it was basically an alcoholic milkshake. It was four scoops of cookie dough ice cream, two scoops of edible cookie dough, two ounces of bourbon, and let's say two ounces of milk. You just throw it in a blender, hit that button that says milkshake, slap that subscribe button, pour it out into a glass, <laughs> and then you cover it with some toppings, baby. We got sprinkles, we had chocolate syrup, we had whipped cream, we had cannoli chips. Was that? Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't use the. I didn't use that either. I used the whipped cream and the well, sprinkles. Well, in the end of the day, like I'm not like some sort of you know nuts so bartender making freak shakes. So <laughs> I, I really could only fit like a couple sprinkles on. Right. Before. I was worried about the integrity. Uh, of yeah. It's the same way. It's like you got whipped cream. That's about it, really. Yeah. I, I think we had the right idea. I think if if I were to do it over again, I might just have tried to have maybe if we had like three larger glasses or something. Mm-hmm. I think for the drink itself, it was very good, but it was strong. It was. 
was surprisingly strong. I didn't mm. think it would taste that much like bourbon, but God help me, it did. It, but so I guess like if you like bourbon, which I do, I did enjoy it. But then someone who doesn't like but Lee I don't less hate so. Bourbon. I just don't want it. It doesn't belong there. Right. It's like I, there are a lot of like things I like separately that I don't want to have together simultaneously. I think bourbon and ice cream are good friends. Just friends, though. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, I, I'm against a lot of like sort of popular taste combos. So I'm not saying that they don't belong to you know they, maybe they belong together for you, but I, I just was not prepared for it. And also like I, I mean I think I recommended cookie dough ice cream, but I'm actually not that fond of cookie dough ice cream. <laughs> so there's really nothing in this was for me. Was for you. I also I will I do think that uh, our our track record with blended drinks has been. Uh, I think improving over time and actually yeah this I think we've nailed the consistency I, if it were a it, little thicker I would have been happier mm. sure that's just me I just like a thick but it wasn't like too liquid like we've had before no that's certainly true I was worried like that it was going to just be like you know milk Syrup. basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I've Mine was decently thick, I think. I had a different batch of You did. Meal. You got. I, I think yeah. I, I mixed the ratios around on your But was it dummy thick? It was dummy thick. It was I a little say. dummy thick, but it, you know, yeah. I really couldn't drink. Because <laughs> I actually got a, like one of the thinner straws that I owned, and I, could, I struggled to get any of the milkshake. That's the sign of a good milkshake. Yeah. Um, so that's what I thought of the drink. Um, I liked it. We gotta talk about the movie. Yeah, we gotta talk about the movie. Before we do that, we should probably get a basic idea of what the fuck happened. And I want you to brace yourself for several times this writer of this Wikipedia blurb just, I guess, editorializes because. Those are the best kinds. Oh boy. In 1995, Chris Brander, Ryan Reynolds, is an overweight high school senior who secretly has a huge romantic crush on his classmate and best friend, Jamie Palomino, Amy Smart. After confessing his feelings by writing them in Jamie's yearbook, he attends <clears throat> their graduation party. As he returns Jamie's yearbook to her, it is secretly swapped by her despicable ex-boyfriend, Tim, who reads the declaration aloud to everyone and humiliates Chris. Jimmy doesn't reciprocate his romantic feelings after they share a brief kiss on the cheek. Chris cheerfully leaves the party, announcing he will never return and vows to be more successful than everyone else. In 2005, Chris has lost weight, is handsome, and lives in Los Angeles, and is a womanizer and a highly successful record producer. Prior to Christmas, Chris's employer, company CEO KC, played by Stephen Root, asked Chris to accompany an emerging self-obsessed pop star named Samantha James, Anna Ferris, whom Chris once went out with and ended up in the hospital afterwards, to Paris to ensure she signs with their label, an order to which Chris reluctantly complies. During the trip to Paris, Samantha accidentally sets her private jet on fire. I don't want to interrupt you, and I don't want to do this every time something like this happens. Where did the hospital thing come into play? I don't know. I know that, I, I remember there being some mention that they had previously dated, which is the only thing that makes any sense for me as to why she's so horny for that D the entire movie. But, like, it's implying that Ryan Reynolds went to the hospital after they dated? I, I guess. I legitimately okay. don't remember. Right, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, just, I needed to get that out there before I forgot about I it. I mean, I figured he got injured in some crazy shit she was up to. Uh, she is wacky. Uh, during the trip to Paris, Samantha accidentally sets her private jet on fire, resulting in an emergency landing in New Jersey near Chris's hometown. Chris takes Samantha to his mother's house to spend the night and re-engages with his teenage past, including his unresolved feelings for Jamie. Samantha meets Chris's mother and 18-year-old brother Mike, Christopher Marquette, who has an enormous crush on Samantha. At the local bar, Chris encounters some old classmates, including his other best friend Clark and his wife Darla. He also encounters Jamie, who is working as a bartender to support herself through graduate school to become a teacher. Chris plans to impress and seduce Jamie by having Mike keep Samantha busy during his date with Jamie, but the realization that Jamie's platonic friendship is important 
important to him hampers Chris's plan. During a friendly ice skating day date, Chris is taken away in an ambulance after injuring himself during a hockey game with Jamie and a trio of kids who start to share a dislike on him for his inexperience. So much of the writing in this is weirdly constructed. At the scene, Jamie is reunited with Dusty Dinkelman, Chris Klein, a paramedic and former high school nerd who was awesome in love with her, while Chris is taunted by all of the kids in town for making them lose the game. The next night, Chris goes to Jamie's for a Christmas party, planning to reveal his feelings for her, but he finds Dusty's already there, winning the guests over with his charm and musical talents. Back at Chris's place, Samantha ambushes Mike and demands to find out Chris's location. He tells her where he has gone after she kisses him. In a rage, she drives to Jamie's house and crashes through her fence, destroying her family's Christmas decorations. Chris returns home in embarrassment, and Jamie follows him. She tells him she is not mad and they end up spending the night together catching up and looking at at photos however due to chris's continuing lack of assertion the two just end up sleeping and nothing happens that night and that's not why the next day jimmy speaks with darla about the night before while chris goes to clark's dental office for advice her fear that chris's lack of affection means he doesn't like her jimmy admits that while the two are quote unquote just friends she tried to show chris that she is interested in a relationship (laughs) clark tells chris that the timing wasn't right and Jamie and Chris's history hinders his willingness to have sex with her. Outside the office, they happen to catch Dusty singing to a sexy nurse, then kissing her. Dusty reveals to Chris and Clark that he only plans to have sex with Jamie as he wants to humiliate her in the same way he felt she used to humiliate him when he was a nerd and she was the object of his crush. Chris tries to warn Jamie, but instead ends up attacking Dusty in front of her. Jamie refuses to listen when Chris tries to explain. There's a lot of run-on sentences that are welded onto each other with semicolons, and it's... That's how they work, Chris. Very difficult to read. Just keep throwing in semicolons. Way too many. Chris subsequently gets drunk and goes to the bar where Jamie works, finding her there with Dusty. Jamie refuses to listen, and Dusty tries to convince her to have sex with him. When Jamie gently turns him down, Dusty storms out of the bar. Chris and Jamie get into another fight with him, blaming her for keeping him in the friend zone and saying that she will never amount to anything. Jamie punches Chris and he is tossed out of the bar. Upon returning to Los Angeles and having a frightening reunion with Samantha, Chris realizes that Jamie is his one and only true love. He returns to New Jersey, where he declares his romantic love for Jamie, and the two share a kiss while the three kids from the hockey game earlier watch in disgust. And also... uh, the cycle starts starts again. It never ends. It can never be broken. I found that to be a wordy, but similarly, like not that descriptive summary. Like I felt like it left out a lot of. Uh, I mean, stuff. yeah, but I think in terms of plot, yeah, that's it. it. Covers it. It's about right. It covers the the beats. Um, so let's start by talking about uh, the very just like how dated as like premise this whole mm-hmm. is, right so uh, this as you may have gathered by listening to the synopsis a movie that deals very heavily in the concept of the friend zone mm-hmm. which at the time was a very trendy and exciting thing to discuss are you in the friend zone right Who's been put in the friend zone that girl's putting you in the this friend obsession zone. over the friend zone yeah. and actually by that point and dear readers i don't mean a zone of people who like to watch the tv show friends it's <laughs> very different please if that's what you're here for take it elsewhere also mad ups for reading the podcast <laughs> yes. Big ups. Yeah, big ups, big ups to Thank you. you for listening anyway. Thank you for listening anyway. Yeah. Um I I guess my thing with it is like the the idea I think I feel like today you couldn't really use the term friend zone without 
maybe having you be associated with incels in some way, but I don't think incel is really a concept in 2005. No, no. So I feel like Friendzone was a much more like casually accepted and accessible I mean, term. incels are eternal, right? Let's get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the movie implies. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no. I, I think, well, see, I think you could still... You could do a movie about today, but you would have to have more of a discussion in the movie about, like, what is the friend zone? Is the friend zone real? Like, you would need to hear from some women in the movie being like, actually, no, like, you keep calling it this, but it's really just that, like, women don't need to sleep with you. Right. They aren't obligated to sleep with guys Go who are nice to Is yeah. Sadly Whiplash an insult? Oh. Yes! Uh, well, I don't know. Do you think he's ever had sex with what's-her-face? I don't know. He's always trying to kidnap her and tie her to the train drive. Yeah, but I mean, surely before he ties her, yeah. do you think they ever... Well, I mean, he's probably trying, right? Do you think she's into him? No. I don't know. Maybe she's thing for mustaches. Yeah, I mean Dudley Durant's a honk. Let's admit it. It's Brendan Fraser. Yeah, he's more. But like, he's not interesting. He's. he's I know. Dudley Durant. Durant. I know. That's what I'm saying. Maybe, like, she seems to get kidnapped by him a lot, right? <laughs> I'm not saying that she wants to. I'm not saying it's voluntary. <laughs> gonna, is it a I'm peach? not going to blame the victim is here. Is it a Peach and Bowser situation? Yeah, it is. You know. It's so like, how many times are you being kidnapped before you think you're in on it? Right. Exactly. Anyway, back to. Back to the scene. <laughs> That'll be our next episode. Where we talk about the Brendan Fraser movie oh Dudley Durant. <laughs> Who plays Sully Whiplash in that? <laughs> Actually, um, I'll, no, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Keep going. <laughs> Keep I'm going. sure that the movie did not have the budget for Jim yes. Carrey. It's like Jim Carrey's Canadian equivalent or something. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds in this movie. Oh, man. I feel like it's they probably got a Jim Carrey type, right? Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it, the whole friend zone thing is dated. I mean, you had, like, Granted, you had, like, uh, When Harry Met Sally talking about, like, men in one ring Right. And then suddenly... <laughs> that was a very good Billy Crystal there. Point of order, yeah. it's Alfred Molina. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! I would do you actually want to... Do you want to hear the cast? Yes! Brendan Fraser as Dudley Duray. Of course. Sarah Jessica Parker as yes. Nell Fenwick. That's right, it was her! Alfred Molina as Snidely Whiplash. Eric Idle as someone... What? Robert Prosky. I didn't get Eric Idle for anything. Yeah, I know. If you give him, like, a play of the paycheck in front of his nose, Eric Idle shows up. Yeah, I mean... Wow, but Alfred Molina... Kathy Lee Gifford. Of course. Eric Idle played Passport Toe in the TV adaptation of uh, Robert Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pierce Brosnan... <laughs> He really, he really does show up. Anywho, I'm sorry. I just Alfred Molina is one that shocks me. I, I just, I just wanted Alfred. to throw that out there. I know. Like, what did, what did he want to buy that he was just like, oh, fine, whatever. Uh, Give me Dudley Do Right. Anyways, <laughs> like I said, next episode, Dudley Do Right. You were here first. So yeah, uh, it's dated. The approach is yeah. dated. I think. Uh, even did, how did we evolve? Because like it used to be like men and women can't be friends if men and women are friends. Right. Want to fuck. Then suddenly it's like. I guess they could be for, like they can, well, like they the, don't well, want right, that right it's, it's the, the woman will put you in a box yes will either be like this is a guy I want to sleep with or this is a guy I will never well, sleep with and it's a part of this whole because 2005 was also when uh, very female centered chick lady kind of shit was also coming out and that all kind of had a specific mm-hmm. cant as well like there was the whole he's just not that into you there was a there was a, a strain amongst dating advice being like harsh and edgy so like yeah. he's just not that into you you just like woman you're being dumb you just need to break it off with him or like she's not gonna fuck you you're just her friend so like written by like Greg Barrett or something yeah, yeah. yeah and I don't know man yeah, it's 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 rough, but I think that was also sort of the vibe of the time of like, I think it was another form for this weird heterosexual like competition of like men must trick women into sex mm. and women must at all costs 
keep it from them. I mean, isn't that just kind of where we were as a culture at the time? Yes. Right? Where it's like a lot of, I mean, a lot of movies at that time, and like, not that they never were this way before. It's not like they're like, not that way now. Right, no, but I feel like <laughs> we were really kind of aggressively leaning into this kind of like, I don't know, Dane Cookian model yes. of like this, this like smarmy douchebag guy who, who's like tricking these dumb broads into sleeping with him. And like, again, not that this is something new to the time period, right? We always had that, you know? Yeah. But it, it took it on a different like flavor. We, it does feel like we were very into that for a brief period. And that yeah. we turned out romantic comedies that still want to have these two people get together but like the man has to be like such an enormous yeah. asshole yeah. I mean, this isn't the first one of these we're watching this year oh it is this, sorry the last one I meant right today. yes yes um, this is the first one but not the, the first last. one but not the last right but uh it, it like yeah in a broader sense I've always kind of like divided up rom-coms as like are they more romantic or are they more comedic and right it's unquestionably like, not at all romantic this is unquestionably a com-rom almost yeah, a com-rom. almost to the point where I kind of don't care about the central no, relationship right, no it's terrible it's also like thinking about it like Given that we usually do a rom com for Valentine's Day, this really is a movie that after I watched it, I was like, we should have done a different yeah. movie because like I don't hate not, that we did this though. No, I don't either. I I think this is, was a good movie to pick, but it just doesn't feel like it's not a rom com, right? right? This is weird because I I feel like it kind of wants to be a little bit like I think that's kind of maybe one of my issues with the movie is that it's like too much of one and not enough of either at the end of the day, where it's like. It feels like it could have either been a rom-com about a guy who goes back to his hometown and tries to get with this girl who he always had a thing for, but she just thought he was his friend. Or it could be this sort of, like, raunchy, ridiculous, over-the-top American pie-type mm-hmm. comedy that has, that has like, sex and love in it, but it's not a rom-com. Yeah. And that American Pie feeling is in there, which also I think kind of added to its dated yeah. feeling. American I think, Pie is also very dated. Yes, yeah. but that style of yeah. humor was in there. Like I felt that in the massage scene that came out the most. Yes. That American Pie sensibility well, it's, of it's of this like, of this boy being like overcome, like, like short circuiting sexually yeah. Yeah. over this yeah. woman. It's just like things that that are. It's like guys or people trying to do sexy things, but being incredibly gross right. and bad about it. And but, like and they're so boring all the time too. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, like, because, like, when Anna Ferris like, drops the the dress, and, like, the brother is all, like, he's, like, reaching out with his hands like, from behind. Is, but it's, like, grotesque. Yes. <laughs> it is a grotesque It's like, no wonder what's of his, uh, fucking, sorry, Crimson Dark Shadows, whatever the fuck we watch. With Dark the, Shadows. Like, Depp, yeah, yeah, Dark Shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Shadows is, like, a bizarre approach of what sexuality actually is. Oh, when they're just throwing each other against <laughs> the walls to, uh, Disco Inferno or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of what it's, like, but there's a lot of like uh, a lot of the humor in general is is predated in yep. more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, some of it's very funny. I'll no. Oh yeah. Say no. It's very funny. There are parts of this movie that I think are quite good. Yeah. Um. I mean, we'll get and into I think it. It's not a coincidence that the parts that I find good are all like there. There's similarities to all the parts. Yeah. I, I mean, I I do I I think the the part of the reason why we are calling it a comrom is just because the comedy is way more successful Trade than yeah, the. Yeah, and you've got a lot of <laughs> romance. Yeah, 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 you got a lot of great raw talent in the movie. Yes, um, you do. It's it's like a, really good comedic actors. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily like drive into character so fast, but yeah. like it is interesting that th- this this is like a relatively early Ryan Reynolds sort of thing, where like we didn't really know. I think we're post um, Van Wilder, but we're pre like proposal. We're pre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is also like I think around the time or slightly thereafter. Do you remember two guys, a girl, and a pizza? Yes. Place? Okay, so it's like, we knew that this guy existed. Oh my god, he was in that. Yeah. I forgot. We knew he existed, we knew he was attractive, and we knew he could do comedy. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like, now what do we do with him? At, like, what does Hollywood do with Ryan Reynolds? But I think at this point, he had done, like, Van Wilder, he had done Waiting, he had done 
and almost those are all, just straight right. raunchy comedy. Right, and those are all very similar movies. Yeah. And this kind of is to that effect, too. So it's just, it is interesting that this is a time where we just didn't quite know what to do with Ryan Reynolds. Because even when you compare it to a couple of years later, The Proposal, which is not a movie that I love, but it's a movie that I think is more consistent yeah. than this movie, yeah. he's a lot better in that movie than he is here as a romantic lead. Whereas, sure. in it, like, that one, you actually have, like, some investment in their relationship. You actually care about him and Sandra Bullock. Whereas this one, it's like, Amy Smart's an afterthought. Like, I don't fucking care yeah, about it. They like, don't write anything for her to do. Yeah, I don't think that we, like... I don't think that people knew what to do with Ryan Reynolds as a dramatic actor back then. I think that they mostly knew him as this, like, great, sort of, like... Asshole. Over-the-top... Yeah. Jerk like, character. Outcast. Right. Yeah. And he was good at that. Um, and I don't think that he was really given an opportunity to do any kind of, like, more... Yeah, I mean, I also think we had to figure out how to sand off some of the edges of that to make it a little yeah. more palatable. Because, like, none of those movies really did terribly well. I think you can start to see that beginning to happen in Just Friends, because... Mm-hmm. I think some of the choices, and obviously there is there is comedy in this that it just straight up does not hold up. Not just like, oh, I don't know if that would fly today. Like, just straight up like, oh, that was a little racist. Let's yeah. not. But I think there is a lot of comedic moments that showed some comedy coming from a kinder place than it was usually coming from in movies like Van Wilder and Waiting. So, like, I thought all of the comedy between um, Ryan Reynolds and Christopher Marquette playing brothers like belligerently belligerently telling each other they love I I love you like I just thought there was Julie Haggerty yes there was something that had so much like heart while still being really funny that I was like okay I'm starting to see that transition but it does sit weirdly next to the raunch it's well that's what I I don't think it's a coincidence that the funny parts of this movie are all the parts that involve him and his family yes and Anna Faris Anna Faris but like have nothing to do with poor Amy Smart yeah. yeah It's a shame. I think that, like, I'm, I don't really know Amy Smart that well. Or Rat Race. Work. That's all I got for you. I yeah. mean, similar to the kind of movies we're talking about, um, Amy Smart was also pretty much, she had a a career going on around this time, and then it cooled down after the early Right, I mean, well, it's kind of interesting, because you've got, like, Anna Ferris and Ryan Reynolds ascending, and then the other you've got Chris Klein and Amy Smart descending, <laughs> and, like, the two just meet briefly for one shining moment in the middle. God, that's we so got true. Am I the only one that saw it definitely maybe in 2008? Oh! I saw it. What yeah. is Steph? I know it's, that name. It's, it's, it's the that. first sort of serious Ryan Reynolds movie. It's where What's they. It about? It's where it's like not not a comedy, but it's, it is more of a drama. It is, a, it is technically a rom com, but it's where he's got a kid, he's divorced, uh, and he's telling the kid about who his mom is. His mom is, yeah. but there's like three different women. Yes, her mom remember. is rather. Right, well, right. How, how, how I Met Your Mother. There's yeah. also a really weird running through line that he was working in like the Clinton campaign. Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> Take your word for it. He's I remember that. He's a political job. But it's a, you know, that was kind of the first, like, Ryan Reynolds is a serious romantic lead, I think. Well, it was weird, too, because it was him, and they also were trying to make, like, Isla Fisher in that movie a more serious, like, actor. And I was like, this is this is odd for both of you to be. But, yeah, no, I think I think that is that is part of the pattern of, like, can Ryan Reynolds do something, like, slightly less than? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, there's some of it, but it's not... Like, they did too much. I think they tried to have their cake and eat it, too, yeah. by shoving so many, like, crazy comedic moments in, and then also trying to tell, like, a romance that makes you go off. Yeah. You're not going yeah. to go off. You're never going to go off about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just kind of really quickly run through the weird plotting of this movie. It's <laughs> yeah. like a lot of sort of, like, vignettes. It's very hard. Episodic, th- th- even. This is one of those movies where, when you're watching it, I feel like... 
we, we've talked about three act structure before. We talked about how, like, if you're familiar with this as a concept, you can watch a movie and be yeah. like, all right, I ballpark. We have like 40 more minutes at this point. Yeah. With this movie, I don't know. I couldn't tell you, man. Yeah. So I guess like the vague idea is that he has to. The main arc is that he has to get him back to his hometown. So the right. plane is fucked up. Right. And he's the only place he can go. Well, not really, but he. But no, him. yeah, that's the weird part too. Is that like they could have just stayed in a hotel. Yeah. You know. But it's Newark, so the plane lands in Newark, an emergency landing, and like his family lives in New Jersey, so he decides to go to his family's. Right. House. Why? I don't know, but it's supposed to be for one night, and then. Because I guess he sees Amy Smart, smart at yeah. the bar, he instantly hones in on mm-hmm. like we gotta stay here longer. Gotta I gotta, I gotta like I gotta get with this woman. Any, yeah, I gotta bone and then yeah. we kind of enter this weird. Just Never repeating cycle. Yes. Right. It's, it's a Groundhog Day thing where it's almost like every morning he wakes up and attempts to do the same thing. Where it's like they, they attempt to have a date. It just doesn't go the way he planned. I mean, he it truly is. He gets just, injured and humiliated in some way. Having just watched it this past week, it really is like a Groundhog Day scenario where you have like Bill Murray trying different ways every day to get yeah. Andy McDowell to fall in love with him. And so like one day he'll be like more romantic and the other day he'll be more like snarky with her. And it does feel like that with Ryan Reynolds trying all these different hats every yes. morning. He's like, now I'm going to be sensitive. Now I'm going to be an asshole. Or and then like, now I'm going to be Jim Carrey for a second like there's so many moments that it just felt like the movie was trying things out of like or like wouldn't it just be funny if one of the dates was this and this will just be like a contained little sketch we're gonna do yeah. and like, then like a hockey where he's like let's right. go to the ice skate right. 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 and then it essentially we're always just gonna land back feeling humiliated at mom's yeah. house yeah like because yeah. that was like a, the, I guess the joke there was like let's have him sort of like beat up a bunch of kids playing hockey right. Right. where he's like Playing this hockey game with kids that it, like checks like. <laughs> like I do think there is a maybe, tiny kid against the ice. Was there also something to the idea of like watch this good-looking asshole just like fall down a lot and kind of like maybe be knocked down a few pegs? I mean, it's still uh, really like slapsticky. It is. I don't know that like I don't think that the movie wants you to get pleasure from that in that sense. You okay. Know? I don't think the movie wants you to be like, yeah, yeah get your fucking come up and try now. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be. It's more supposed to be like him learning. Via various humiliations that, like, he just has to be the real him, whoever that is. Yeah, whoever. The, I, I don't know. Fuck yeah. it. I don't know who the real Ryan is. Basically, once movie. he gets stranded in the town, and I'm on, I'm a little unclear uh, if he, because like presumably the, the real plan was to like get a flight the next day. Yeah. But they never do, and at some point, is he deliberately sabotaging yes. their attempts to leave? At one point, he's like, okay, let's, or she's like, let's go to Paris, and he's yeah. like, no, go play this right. hot like, gig at this like biker like, bar. About like, because they should, she should have the power to. Leave. Right. I, I think it's just that like she's hung up on him and yeah. she's not terribly bright. And he's kind of manipulating her. Yeah, yes. so like Ergo, he can just it, it does feel like this is a thing that happens every day too, where like every day Ryan Reynolds finds an excuse to get uh, Anna Ferris out of his hair for the most of the yeah. day and just like shoves her off on his brother to do something wacky. I also think um, Anna Ferris's character's presence in this movie kind of throws the plot into a weird shape. Um, because I think the plot can't really be about man just comes back home and reconnects with this old flame yeah, really because she's there right? Yeah. and she is supplying I think almost the lion's share of the comedy in scenes that aren't with Chris's family right. so but contrary wise now you have to deal with her and she yeah. also and doesn't how do you deal with she her? also has so little to do right. with the plot and so they deal with her by like dumping her off to the side yeah and she's like the opposite of the control of experiment she's like the fucking she just like throws a massive wrench into every possible situation you put her in because she's so insane so like it's not you can't have a movie focused on like him readjusting to his hometown life and like reconnecting with his old friends because she's there right he's got this obligation to take care of the entire time and it's it makes me torn as a viewer because on the one hand she's very entertaining in that mode but in the other it is kind of that instead of 
like there, the plot. Right, and there's a weird feeling, like, as much, again, as good as I think she is in this movie, there's this weird feeling that I sort of have every time you see her on screen, you're like, oh, we have to deal with her again now. Yeah. Or it's just kind of like, oh, fuck. Like, just like when the plot was trying to do something, Anna Ferris shows up, and now it's like, oh, we have to, like, dump her off and his brother. They gotta go to the mall. It's yeah. just like, she, I mean, I'm fine if you want to have her there as a chaos agent. You want to have her there to just, like, make sure that no plans go off the way they're supposed to. Right. Fine. But then... You gotta pull back the amount of screen time she has because it's really hard to not see that and feel like it's at the detriment of anything for Amy Smart to do. Right. I mean, even real- in their confrontation, it's mostly Anna yelling like whore and skank at her, and then Amy Smart it's I think like, says I very quietly at one yeah. point, she's like, "Who even are you?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the real issue there is you need to have a different reason for her character to be there. Uh, which which is something I tried to do whenever I got around to fixing it mm-hmm. later on. But I think just the fact that she's there and that he, I, I guess like the bigger snag is too, is that he is supposed to be like accommodating to her because his boss wants to sign her as a singer. And because she, she's like on the way up. Right. And so, but it's, so it's also kind of like the idea should be then from that is that he has to keep appeasing this mercurial crazy person who can at any point in time be like, actually, no, if you don't do X, I'm not going to sign with you. But that doesn't matter because right. that never really comes up. Well, because again, she's right. so stupid. Right, and also the thing is, too, is that she wants that D so bad, yeah. is that she's like fucking in love with him, which is weird to me. Like, I, he's attractive. I get it. I like Ryan Reynolds. But she but, like, immediately like jump straddles she him. She does, and it's also just like she is a pop star on the up and up. She could probably get a lot of attractive men in Hollywood. Why is she so aggressively into Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> I just that that I really don't kind of get. for the plot, honestly. No, it is. It's just so the plot is long. And likewise, so there's the scene at the end whenever he goes back to L.A. very, very briefly. She's in his house baking cookies or whatever. Right. And they have that conversation. He has a conversation with her where, like, it almost feels like that's kind of the moral of the movie happening, but you don't quite hit on it. Where he basically says, like, you can't make someone fall in love with you. Which you would think, like, in a better movie would be him realizing, I can't make Amy Smart fall in love with me. And that way, when he goes back, he says to Amy Smart, I just had a realization. I've been trying to make you do this thing. You clearly don't want to do this thing. If that changes, let me know. If not, I'll be your friend, but this is how I feel. But instead, he just goes back and talks to her and is like, I want to get married to you. I want to have kids with you. And she's like, oh, fine. Yeah. Let's do it. It's so wild to me that she doesn't have a response, really. Well, the whole... (laughs) I want to talk about with plotting. Yeah. I thought, I, I always used to think that the, uh, or like when I haven't seen this movie in a while, but the first time I'm watching it, but I, it gets so confused by the scene where the flights go haywire, where she shows up and has a big fit on yeah. Christmas Day evening. Yeah. And then she drives away and the lights go nuts. And it feels like such a second act ending moment. Right. That's not But it's even, not. It's like halfway through the yeah, movie. It's, yeah, it's the so midpoint of the movie. movie after that. And yeah. after that, it feels so pointless. Like, right, because that's when you have the scene where Amy Smart shows up and they're yeah. like, she's in bed with him, what's going to happen? But it, it's like, like you just feel like you're like tapping your watch be like, hey, come on. It also, I think it, it contributes to the repetitive feeling we were kind of talking yeah. about in the plot as well, because I'm, it, I honestly don't know how many times they have this kind of conversation, but it honestly feels like Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart have a similar like we're not connecting conversation at least like a million times in this movie. And it just feels like it's the same scene so much of the time that I'm like, you couldn't think of anything else to do right here. Yeah. Well, the biggest reason I think that the movie feels unfinished after that scene, like there's so much more left is they don't, they, they, that's after that is when they can finally resolve the dusty shit, which is like, dusty's just like another thing, another complication. Another minor option. They could like, have been interesting yeah, if done better. Like Anna Ferris, there's dusty, there's like his own sort of fake asshole exterior shell that he can't right. crack, that he can't figure out how to get underneath. So there's like too many 
things in this movie yeah. that are blocking him from this girl. Yeah, and Dusty is dismissed with very quickly, which like I kind of like in a way because yeah. I think it does kind of serve a better movie's message where, uh, where, where Dusty is just kind of basically like, and he, we're, they're, they're at the, the bar at the end and mm-hmm. Dusty is like talking about how he like, lo- how like he loves her or whatever. And they're going to go out or whatever. And she's like, Oh no, I don't actually think of you like that. Yeah. And like, that's kind of a good moment for mm-hmm. me in the movie yeah. because I feel like, again, that kind of, that, that's like the closest it comes to subverting this idea of what the friend zone is, where it's just like, oh, actually, you know, just because you're nice to her doesn't mean that she is going to go on a date. With and you. we are just... clearly supposed to think Chris Klein is gross for that. Right. So that's why I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that this movie is like, you know, well, I think, changing I think, the paradigm, but I think they're at least acknowledging that I it's not great. That you're not. It's like you're not supposed to ever think for a second that Ryan Reynolds, his character, really wants to just bone her for like. Right. Revenge sake. Like, right. I think the idea is that he's sort of tricking himself into thinking, like, all I need to do is sleep with her. But, like, you're supposed to realize that he's been in love with her and he's never stopped being in love with her. And he's just sort of, like, telling himself this lie of, like, I don't need to, you know. Because I think that's, again, the scene where he fakes, where he aborts trying to sleep with her is him realizing, like, shit, I can't just have sex with right. her. Right. Like, I don't want to just have sex with her. I want to be in a relationship with her. So, which is like what does he never really wanted in the first place? Right. Except, uh, according to Wikipedia, it's because he couldn't muster the enough assertion. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. All right. Can we talk about? <laughs> I mean, when I thought that, I was just like, that's not. That's just not the reason. Yeah. Um. <sighs> talk about the things we liked about the jokes, the the humor. This is a lot of good ones. Yeah. A lot I of mean, like like I said, the family stuff is yeah. really so funny. I will it, say that like most people that are funny will also at some point say something you probably don't <laughs> like. like ooh, yeah. Ooh. ooh. We I mean, on a, we don't use that word anymore. Yeah. We don't say that. On, on a Paris <laughs> doing that, like, what was that? Kung Fung. Hong Kong. Hong Kong, Kong Fui. Yeah. To yeah. The, there's, there's racism. There's ableism. Yeah. There's homophobia. It's all there. There's a lot of homophobia in this movie. Yeah. A lot of casual homophobia. I remember the, there's the gay joke in, during the notebook, but where was Well, the, I mean, just they, he calls them a fag. Like, their brother calls each other, like, homos they're, or fags. They're okay. constantly comparing, like, who, like, Chris's past. And whether or not he's a pussy. Yeah, yeah. The idea that he was, like, I guess, yeah, like, like a in virginity type right thing. yeah and I mean there's also the fact that Ryan Reynolds starts this movie in a fat suit yes and like for me for the most it's part so that, gaming, built right in. Yes, yeah that is almost like always just like something that Cringe. will make me lose like um, the movie will just like lose me at that point yeah. it's Anytime also my character shows up in a fat suit. it didn't need to be no, that way no he could have been a weirdo right yeah. he could have been like poorly dressed he had bad hair yeah. maybe he has acne too well, like especially Chris because did. like outside of the restaurant scene the I lost weight and I have a great body now or whatever doesn't really come up as a thing for him um, because like it, it it just really doesn't matter. So it's such a weird, I mean, I also think that was, they were like, isn't this so funny that we took this hot, funny person and put him in a bat suit? I mean, it what? Is, to be fair, it is so fucking funny that the entire end credits has him yeah. lip syncing while and, wearing the fat. And only, yeah. and the camera is just living on his yeah. face. Yeah. Like, they used a bit of it at the beginning. Right. I'm pretty sure they just left the camera on. The yeah, I think they just didn't like, we'll take what we need and then they decide this is this is gold. This has yeah. got to be over the end credits. It's really weird to watch it too because you kind of are like ready for them to cut away maybe yeah. show you a blooper, but it doesn't happen. Nope, it just keeps going. You just keep getting that fat suit. It's also... This is a movie that should have bloopers, by the way. Yes! It should have bloopers. It's also, dare I say, not a great fat suit. No, it's not, no! It's weird because... It's all in the face. And in the upper, like, in the body. Like, from the waist below, it's just right. Yeah! Up. And then, like, from above, he has, like, a stomach. And then he has a lot of weird facial processes. Well, but then you'll see his arms, and they don't look proportional to the fat yeah. suit. So, yeah. like, when I they... Feel like they just didn't have the budget for a good fat suit. So, like, I don't know, throw a pillow in? What do you got? <laughs> yeah. We can do the jowls, and that's all we can do. Um, I thought the mom was really funny. 
I like just all of her comments are so weird uh, and yeah. funny. And she's a pro. She's so I, good. I, I yeah. love her salmon line. Her like mannerisms were so on point. Yeah, just like this sort of weird awkward. Her presentation, the hair, the, the vests, vest, the sweaters, the, like the, 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 such an incredible mom vibe. Just mo- really '90s mom all the way, all the yeah. way through. The part where uh, Ryan Reynolds is going look through the garage looking for his skates, and she's like, "Just be yourself," be and yourself. she like, she's like, "Be yourself, be <laughs> yourself, be yourself," and just like starts repeating that over yeah. and over again. I just. Yeah, she still re- maintains that sort of like this, like not all there mentally. Yes. Yeah. She's almost like the better off dead mom in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, especially with that. Oh, I love salmon. It's a perfect and, color. And the Joyce for thing. Whenever she. Yeah. When Ryan Reynolds is on the phone with Amy Smart, she just picks up the phone and is like, Joyce? And just like starts talking as though her friend is yeah. already on the phone. And then later on, one of the voicemails to Ryan Reynolds' cell phone is it's just like, her saying, Joyce? Hello, Joyce? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's some good shit. So good. Uh, uh, Christopher, yeah, Christopher, Christopher Marquette's really funny. Great yeah. in this movie. Yeah. I love all of the brotherly scenes with Ryan Reynolds. I typically yeah. in movies find those to be kind of forced and stiff feeling, almost like uh, it's like a 40-year-old man's idea of like how mean kids are to each other or whatever. Yeah. But this felt really genuine and well I mean, acted. Like, me, I, you know, I don't have a brother, so I can't really say it, but like, I, I know you do, Chris. But for me, it just felt more just sort of like, it's such a heightened cartoon version of like <laughs> an antagonistic brother. Because not just that like, they never get along. Just, like, like he's physically I love you. Him. I love you too. Right. They're, within three seconds of having a conversation, one of them slaps the other. And like, right. the dude is so funny because it's like, not even like, like real, it's like this weird 50% genuine fighting where it's like, they're brothers, but instead of punching, they just sort of these like, like yeah, slap. Yeah. But they're like just like these weird slap fights. Right. Like, There's like a Christopher Market does so much screaming in this. Yes. Movie. So much of the dialogue is just <laughs> delivered like like as a petulant like yell. Really irritating. Um, what do you want? Yeah, the family stuff, all gold. Whenever we're back at home, I'm like, I'm really happy about it because I know it's going to be something yeah. good. Um, I just love the when you, the first time you see the brother walk in, he's just got like a, <laughs> a street sign on his arm. Bolt cutters. It's yeah. just, and it's not addressed. And I do like that, like that's happening, and like uh, the brothers are like fighting a lot and then yeah just Julie Haggerty is just and I love both my boys so yeah, much yeah they're in the middle of like having an argument she walks in but it's because I love you both so much they're both like thanks mommy yeah love, love you thanks mommy, mommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah but I think the other like just consistent source of comedy is uh Anna Faris as Samantha James um yeah it's really on the nose it's very broad it's definitely like not deep or reinventing the wheel but um Anna Ferris just goes for broke and fully commits herself to this yeah. completely insane she, person. I don't think she needed a script for this. No. <laughs> but I, yeah, there, there's like a really great bit where she's in the mall, just sort of like having inspiration and she's inventing lyrics. Small people. They come and go. No. Small, Small people. people. They just, just don't, don't know. know. <laughs> and she, I just love, she says it with like such reverence for yeah. her own <laughs> words. Like she's just come up with like, uh, like a Confucius level. Or the, what, what about her other bop? Forgiveness <laughs> is more than saying sorry. My favorite version of that is at the end of it when she's singing it to Ryan Reynolds. Just she says that. It was more than saying sorry. And then she goes, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, there are other tiny moments like Bobo Mark Ruffalo um, in the one and his point, wife. Yeah, at one point in the movie when Dusty is revealed to be like an asshole, he's in the hospital and he just like there's some like half catatonic man in a wheelchair and he just takes like the juice out of this man's hands and starts drinking it. And while he's sort of doing this like evil monologue about what a dick he is, and like under his breath as he's doing this, and he puts the juice back. Mark Ruffalo's character's like, the man's juice. <laughs> You know, it is funny. I, 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 I want to put out there. We read this. All, all three of us read this article on the AV Club where they, they interviewed uh, the writers of this, right? The writer and director. The writer and the director. Humble. And it was, it was funny to me that they mentioned how, like, yeah, there was ad libbing in this movie. But then the example they give was just him giving Anna Ferris like a line reading note. Right. We're just like, what if you said the line back to Ryan Reynolds? But it's weird because I do think there is a lot of ad libbing in this it's, movie. I mean, it certainly feels like there is. Yeah. Not in like, I feel like Boba Mark Ruffalo's yeah, line was an ad lib. <laughs> reacting to that decision and like it was a genius choice yeah. i'm glad he went with yeah. it yeah um but yeah like i maybe that's also part of the appeal of the comedy is that it's it does at times feel like really well done improv scenes yeah the other thing about that article is something we were talking about earlier too just lee was one who really brought this up the idea that uh the woman who is interviewing them and i can't remember writer for the AV club. She really likes the movie and she's talking to them about like things she likes. And it really feels like they don't get what she likes about the movie. <laughs> yeah. And that they're basically talking about like the friend zone as like the sort of like this, this background. Right. Right. Right, so right. What right. was that? What was the phrase? Well, I was just saying, she seemed to have this sort of, like, nuanced idea of, like, why she likes this movie. Right. And she sort of acknowledged, like, yes, it is what it is, and it's from 2005, and it's, like, a goofy comedy, but there are things in, that you just need to trust me are funny about yeah. it. And, like, I'm there with her. And then they just sort of instantly talk about, like, how they, they started writing this movie based on something that happened to one of them. Right, the writer basically yeah. was like, I did what Ryan Reynolds did, where I was best friends with this woman for ten years because I wanted to sleep with her. It's just like, like... That's on you, first of all. Like, yeah. this, this is you, if you, you also, chose to do this. And, like, what a revealing thing to say. Like, clearly, I think that's an acceptable thing, so I'm going to make that what the hero of my movie does. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think it, it also... It's like, well, and then I gave it to some other people, and they, you know, they were like, They were like, wow, what? Is this I, about me? Because yeah, I have this, too. They, they thought that they've unlocked some sort of, like... The universal like, truth yeah. about men, yes. All men have been in the friend yeah. zone. And no, we're really... We're getting truth out yeah. there. And, like, can truth you, and comedy. Just, like, yeah. what a shallow, like jack-off thing to say. Yeah, like, it's also one of those things that, like, knowing that, that really colors, I think, my view of this movie. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell, like, the, it's not just so much that, like, it was ineptly done or that, in, you know, it was a product of its time, per se. It's just that, like, this guy really thought that, like, oh, th this is what the movie's backbone is. This is what it's got to be about. This is what we've got to focus on. This is what makes the movie universal. It is a bummer to kind of see that perspective from them, to be honest. <laughs> it is. It is. Um... Uh, it doesn't make me like the movie any less, but it does make me look at it differently in terms of, like, are some of the things that I kind of were like, good for you, movie, maybe, like, unintentional? <laughs> like, I mean, for me, it just really emphasizes, like, how bad the bad stuff is, yeah. you know? No, you, it's, you kind of, maybe the good stuff is, is like, chance. <laughs> right, right, like, maybe you, you got lucky with a couple of lines, you had a really great group yeah. of actors. I was going to say, like, well, maybe I mean, some of the luck is coming from the cast. I'll admit that I do find a lot of, like, that kind of bro humor to be funny. Like, mm. I'll admit it. But, like, you know, you, have to, you do have to take out all of the homophobia and the racism. And the misogyny. Past yeah. that, I'm all for, like, dudes, <laughs> dudes broing around, it, having fun. Uh, me too. But if a bro's going to seriously believe that, like, the yeah. word the word needs to get out yeah. about the friend about zone. The friend zone. Yeah. Yeah. More than the men. 
Okay. I mean, the one thing that, like, the bro comedy that does work really well, again, is the brother the relationship. The actual it's bros. Like, like, the point wherever, um, where Chris Marquette comes into his room, and they're, like, sniping back and forth, and all of a sudden he's like, I love you. He's like, I love you too. Yeah. The cookie. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's just such, a, such like, a, a funny, sweet little moment between yeah. the two characters, where it's like, oh, you know, they're not just constant shitheads to each other. They actually do love each other. That's yeah. what I'm saying for as, gro- joke. For as gross great. as the movie can be. We get that, we get that, and then I find that to be, like, weirdly wholesome in comparison. Yeah. Um, I really wish we got to see Chris Marquette just once as, like, a a babby, right? (laughs) The the high school version of Chris Marquette. You you hear him. No, you see the little kid. Yeah, it's whenever he's singing in the mirror. But yeah. The little kid, because it's not Chris Marquette is the problem, is that it's, like, you know, some eight-year-old or whatever who's like, ah, ha, ha, you're lip-syncing in the mirror, fat brother. I would have liked to know, like, what if he was, like, that shithead back then. Yeah. It is, like, that that, that is the downside to having, like, a ten years later plot of your movie is that you can't have his younger brother in the movie earlier on, which it would have been nice. Yeah. Um, should we go through the characters and the actors in this movie? Yeah, yeah let's break that down. Right uh, so we've got to start with uh, the, the son around which we all revolve in this movie, Ryan Mr. Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah. Um, I think he does a good job. Um, I think he was kind of handed a raw deal where he has to be an asshole kind of until the like last fifth of the movie in which he has to like take a hard left into not being an asshole. And I think the script kind of does him a little dirty in that way because that's like a really hard it's hard to convince people that you should get the girl if you've been such a jerk the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think he's very funny. I think he does an admirable job of making this character more sympathetic than he could have been. And I think he's, he has such great scene chemistry with all of the funniest people that those moments really work. I, I do agree. I still just find his character to be such an irredeemable asshole. I think that, that it kind of makes it difficult for me to really get on board with him right. as a character. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, we, we talked about this a little bit, but truly just, like, who is Chris in this movie? Like, was Chris always an asshole? Was Chris this gentle, sweet, fat kid who, yeah. like, life beat the goodness out of, right. and now he's a shithead? Or, like, uh, like, like, what is the real Chris? You know, whenever he finds out, I guess, at the end, the conclusion he comes to is that he has to be his real self. I don't know who the fuck his real self is. Right. So why do I care? Right. I think that, like, we don't get into it enough in the movie, but, like, I, I feel like the the, sh- the bits where they're watching home videos from the past, like, mm-hmm. that's... But we needed more of that. We need that to understand who he was, but all you get to see is, like, it's, like, incidental to the... It's, like, a montage, and you don't get to... Right, and I think the problem is also is that the only time you see him in the beginning is, like, at a party where everything's going horrible for him. Yeah. Like, if it started without just the two of them, like, like more stuff like that, the two of them, like, in his room, pl- like, you know, like, just joking with each other, being friendly with each other, but the other two... Bobo Mark Ruffalo and his dental hygienist wife. Like, you might have something a little bit more to build the character yeah. upon. Or you There's also that, I think they deleted that scene, which also would have been more telling, because in that deleted scene, he's they're, like, sort of reminiscing about a tradition, like, a dance they used to do, and he was, like, making her do it again now. And I feel like that would have also been a more, like, telling scene. Yeah, about yeah. It was, like... I mean, they, they just in general, even in, in the modern-day parts of the movie, they don't really have scenes together that make you think, like, oh... These two. These two should get together. Like, no, these, not really. These two deserve to be with each other. They just kind of... Mostly he finds her somewhere, and she kind of puts up with him for a while. Yeah, you don't even really get why he likes her. Right, except that she's... Beyond the fact that he had a crush on her in yeah. high school. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, they are friends, so, like, I guess he values her as a person I mean, when you think about well. when you think about what that emotional journey is for him, it's very weird that it's like, are we to believe that 
because of what happened at the graduation party, he just became this asshole that he is now. It's like his Batman villain origin story, yeah. basically, that party. What an uncompelling origin story. I don't know, I gotta tell you, he got on his bike and he pedaled straight to Los Angeles. And then when he got there, he was fucking ripped. Um, Amy Smart is kind of an enigma in this movie. Yeah, I don't think she does a bad job, per se, but, like, there's just, like, right, there's just nothing. I'm so confused by her, because we were talking about the fact that she's friends with three big nerds. Right, in the beginning, yes. But but all the popular kids come to her graduation. Right, all, like, these jocks really want to fuck her so badly. And And she had a bunch of, like, boyfriends. Boyfriends who are on the football team. She seems, like, so naive. Yeah. Even in modern day, where she's just, like, this sort of nice, wholesome teacher... And I don't understand how she was never clued into like all these jerk guys sleeping with her, or like she seems immune. She seems like not to be aware that her friends in high school were massive assholes. Yeah, right. She seems pretty oblivious about it. So that scene, the scene in the beginning at the graduation party at her house, um, Jock guy, mm-hmm. he is her ex at that yes. point. Yes. Yeah. It would make more sense if he was dating her at that point. Because yes. you can see how she re- how she interacts with some asshole who she's apparently into. Yeah. And then. Like, I guess her parents invited everyone over, but why? I don't know. Did her parents invite everyone? They, they say, like, they say like because he was like, it was just supposed to be us. Right, like, her that. parents invited people. Okay, I don't remember. I just I assumed it was, like, her ex-boyfriend showed up and then all the other popular people. But then she maybe. doesn't seem, like, annoyed. No, no, she doesn't. So it's weird. I don't really understand. Right, no, no. I, again, like, I, I don't get the social strata of any of these characters, really. Yeah, like, Ryan Reynolds is unpopular, apparently, but, like, is he? But, like, more than that, I don't understand what's going on in her brain. Like, yeah, no, that's true, that too. makes her date these assholes? She doesn't right. seem like an asshole. She doesn't seem to tolerate right. Chris when he's an asshole. Right. She doesn't tolerate um, Dusty once he's, yeah, so, but, like, but, put his cards out. What, how did it happen to her in high school? Like, right, and I, I guess you can sort of make the argument that, like, well, in high school, you know, you're, you're just a ball form yeah, in high school. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, that the tradition has kept up because she says like oh I was dating this right and I just broke up with him and then he says like uh, continuing this, yeah. the trend of dick boyfriends or yeah, whatever yeah it's weird it, it really feels like they just didn't think of much for this character to be yeah. or do and the most cynical reading of this is that you have two women in this movie who are just dim as shit when it comes mm-hmm. to the right guys to date mm-hmm. yeah and pretty much the movie telling it being pretty odd like pointing at like this is the kind of guy you should date right yeah yeah pay attention young lady. right <laughs> <laughs> oh i hope it's like that <laughs> i hope i, I hope that's the voice like like a paternal <laughs> figure yeah. um who else is out there anyone else is out there we got Anna Ferris. we got Anna Ferris. love her I mean again what what can you say about this character she's literally just a Britney Spears parody yeah there's no yeah. depth at all no. no no she's a bizarre cartoon character but like as opposed to, I mean, you you have the scene in the beginning when they're in L.A. and you see him talking to a woman who I guess he's dating at the time. And I guess. And she gets into a fight with him and breaks up with him. And she, the joke is basically just like, what a fucking idiot. Because then he is. literally turns around and starts chatting up another lady. Right. And so the joke is just entirely, God, women are so fucking dumb. And you have that with Anna Faris, too. Yeah. With Anna Faris, she's just like this bizarre like Tasmanian devil character. Yeah, she's truly a force of nature. Yeah, yeah. Where it works with her because it feels like there is some like... There's some level of control and like I don't want to say she's she she's you know possessed of all her wits, but like she knows what she wants and she knows how to do it. She shows a greater spark of intelligence than Amy Smart does when she manipulates Mikey yeah, to give her what she wants. Yeah. Um, because honestly, outside of that scene, she's just sort of a drooling idiot most of the time. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, it doesn't 
like there's something to what Anna Ferris is doing in this character with this character that yeah it has no depth I don't think it's saying anything no. but it is very funny to watch I love all the noises she made like the meow yeah a bunch of cat noises and <laughs> I love that she just becomes weirdly fixated on Darla for yeah, no reason she, I, I do love that too, but she's like very into Darla <laughs> you can oh you can be with other girls I like girls Darla <laughs> <laughs> she is yeah. like I don't know I I really hope that she was like you know Kump Kumpel or whatever this fucking name is was just like just do whatever you want yeah, here's your character just go yeah um, I don't think that she needs a director to tell her what to do in this movie yeah mm-hmm. uh, just let her go Obviously, Julie Haggerty and Chris Marquette are amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep, love them both. Yeah. I mean, Julie Haggerty is truly giving us everything we want from her. Yeah. yeah. I know, mean, I... I just wish there were more. I gotta figure out what other... I feel like it's not the only, but I'm struggling to suddenly think of, like, what other sort of latter-day Julie Haggerty movies we get. Um... Well, she was on Happy she, Endings. She's, she's a oh, that's she's, right, she she's was. The man. She, she's the man. I've never seen She's the Man. It's been, what? It's been so long. It's coming out on How Blu-ray I've seen it. in I a like month. I've talked about it a lot. It's coming out on Blu-ray, and I'm going to buy it because I wanted to see it. Oh, okay. It's Who not watched it good. With? Not me. It's not good. It's not good. No, I know it's not, but I'm really fascinated by the idea of doing Twelfth Night as like a high school comedy. With Amanda Bynes. With Amanda Bynes and, and Charming Potato. <laughs> Her fucking... And some other people, I think. Something else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's good people in that movie. It's like not a... Yeah, it's not a good movie. It, but is, it is Julie Haggerty. Oh, oh there you go. nice. That's <laughs> a long term. She's just everyone's mom. She's truly She's America's mom. I have this... I, I, I think I found it at some point. I'm, I never watched it, but there's like... An artifact of a film I really wanted to see. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a very early Julie Haggerty movie, mm-hmm. and it's her and Jeff Goldblum in like a romantic comedy. I think I know the movie of which you're it's referring like, to. Called like Love Analyze or Analyze Love. Yeah, it's like sort of isn't a he like therapy? Yeah, I feel like and he's Jeff like bi or something in it too. Like there, there, there's a lot of weird shit. If this is the movie I'm thinking of, Beyond therapy. therapy, Beyond Therapy, The Year of My Birth. <laughs> it's based on a play, and I really wanted to watch it. Prudence and Bruce, two Manhattan Knights who are seeking stable romantic relationships with the help of their uh, respective psychiatrists, Lecherous Stewart and Scatterbrained Charlotte, each of whom suggests the patient place a personal ad. Yeah, yeah. bisexual. He is bisexual. bisexual. Okay, He's a living yeah. lover named Bob. Track it down. But yeah, anyway, guest is Bob. It's a Robert Altman, guys. I did not know that was Altman. I kind of want to watch this I'm now. a little intrigued. Me too. Yeah. I, love, yeah. I love Robert Altman. I would see it. Uh, honestly, there really isn't a lot. No, everyone else is a relatively minor character, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, no one else, I guess, is bad. Stephen Root shows up and plays a. Yeah, I mean, Stephen yeah, fine. Like, really not Mark Ruffalo is fine. Yeah. His she, wife is fine. His wife barely has anything to do in this. Movie. I know. Movie. Aside from, I guess, give us a trailer line. Do you think he's gay? Yeah. He's gay. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Is anyone else? Chris Klein, I actually think he does oh, really yeah, good work as yeah. Dusty. Yeah, this and Election are his two finest hours, I think. Yeah, um, I don't think much of Chris Klein in general as an actor, but I actually think. What about as a singer? Oh, phenomenal. Okay. Um, but I'm on I, three. I actually thought he was really good in this. Um, I did too. I loved that he was playing this. <sighs> I don't even know how to describe this character. I mean, he's just like the, he's this manipulative. He was a complete nerd. In high school, who like grew up became he started the incel. He's like yeah. a sociopath, and then be, then like realized yeah. that like he could make himself appeal to every woman mm-hmm. if he just like you know keyed into the the things that they wanted in a man, right? So it's, like 
with her, he's with um Amy Smart. He's like he's like this like sort of sweet like oh shucks like what a decent guy he is. Like he's always he's so caring. And he's Isn't so it sensitive also and interesting that Dusty engages in openly feminine things and. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is always this hyper masco uh, jerk, hmm. but Dusty is it's it, it's villainous when you're Dusty and you're doing femme things to get the ladies because that's not real. Well, you're pretending to I be femme know. to get anyway. Yeah, I may have I may have taken a weird left yeah. there, but yeah. I do think it's interesting that Dusty's because he even says at one like he 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 says a lot of lines that are like I know it may seem kind of femme. Right. I mean, what I had said before, my reading of his character should be that he is the dark mirror version of Ryan Reynolds, where like they were both, you know, unpopular in high school. No one wanted to have sex with them. They grew up, they became hot. And now they're both like, he's, you know, pretending to be different people to try and get women to love him. And Ryan Reynolds is doing the same thing for this one person. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like he could look at this person and be like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. There's nothing genuine about this person. He's a fucking dick. He's being a shit to all these women. This is a bad thing to be. He Maybe brings, don't be this He thing. brings strippers and nurse costumes. Right, he brings the of the stage nurse to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And she starts rubbing all over him, rubbing that D. But yeah, it's a funny performance. Um, I really, it's such a small moment, but I love when he very excitedly sees um, Julie Haggerty and just goes, Carol! It's <laughs> I just love the weird idea that like, they know each other. And I guess just because they're in a small town. Right. So like, Every you know, like if you're in that small of a town, like you know who people's moms are. But I love the idea that like they're friends or something, or like they like always talk whenever they go to the grocery he store. He just has this like you can just see this moment where he sees her and then he like puts this look on his yeah. face of like Carol? I don't know, it's so good. It's I so, loved it. Like, he looks so thrilled to see her there. It's so good. Yeah. All right. That's it though. I mean yeah, who not, else is there? Not, there's not really much else to say in terms of characters. No. Um anything else to say about the movie before we go into fixes? No, I don't yeah. think so really. You got you know, you're you're no real looking to score to speak of, but your best of early two thousands mixtape yeah. as the soundtrack. You got a lot of sounds to wane. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, real. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. about how they play that song twice within a I have joked about music, the, mu- the movie music from another room with uh, Jude Law and how they play truly madly deeply like no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get out of here with that. But, uh, oh, so good. No, it's not, but it's it's close. It's, it's approaching close. it. Um, who wants yeah. to go first? I couldn't go first. No one else wants to go first. I'll go first. So like, oh, I don't really have like a thing written out because I was just sort of going off of what Sam responded to. Sam. Yeah, I mean, I usually do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I usually do my homework and you guys are a bunch of fucking slackers. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm better than you. So anyway, what I was just basically thinking is like, what about this speaks to me? And really, as I said before, the thing about this movie that appeals to me the most is the relationship that he has with his family. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to focus the movie more on that, what you need is you need kind of like a different... First of all, a different reason for him to be there. What I think it should be, and I think this is, for me, a concept that's very relatable. Maybe, Chris, more so you sort of can relate to this as a concept than maybe Lee could. The idea of, like, whenever you've been away from your hometown for a long period of time and you go back home for Christmas, it's kind of like you, as someone who doesn't live there, gets to go back and be like, look how much I've fucking grown. Like, you know, like you thought I was X, now I'm Y. There's that. Look at me. And there's also, and I think this movie kind of shows that a little bit, there's this weird regression that can sometimes happen that when you go back home and you just have, you've like, you just have not been there in a long time and your life is just so different from that thing now, you kind of can feel yourself slipping back into like certain right. teen habity things. Right. And like- you have that as well too. So like, I think for this character, this is someone who had a shit time of things in high school, moved out to LA, became like a better version of himself. I think I don't want him to be a fucking asshole. I just want him to be like, he sort of tapped into his true self 
when he was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, he has to go. He was going to fly his family to L.A. There is some complication that prevents them from coming there. Maybe mom injures her, sprains mm-hmm. her ankle and can't fly. So he has to go out there. And so he's thinking like, oh, man, if I have to go to that fucking like boonie town with all these idiots I used to know in high school, like I need to really show that I am like so much fucking better than everyone right now. So his idea is that he takes Anna Ferris's character, who in this version is a pop star who he kind of knows, but she's not like this crazy you know, lunatic who's just really obsessed with Ryan Reynolds and wants to get with him the entire time. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like, pretend to be my girlfriend. They're going to think it's so fucking cool if I bring you out there and they're like all going to be so fucking impressed that, oh yeah, like I'm dating this up and coming pop star. Isn't that fucking cool? And so you've got that going on. That way you don't have to keep coming up with excuses for her not to be there and you don't have to deal with this weird sort of power imbalance with the fact that he's trying to get her signed but he doesn't really want to be around her, blah, 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 blah. So you're going to have that. And I think what you're going to also do is kind of what Chris said. It's the idea that like when you get back home, you're kind of reverting to this version of yourself that you might not be anymore. And so it's kind of him finding out, I think, who he is as a person whenever he's back at home. It's kind of like, is he still this sort of weird, awkward kid in high school? Is he this more attractive, cool, suave version of himself that he has made himself out to be? You know, what is his relationship like with his friends who are still a bunch of people who like it's it's interesting for me in the movie that all of his friends like, still live in the same town like none of these people ever seem to have gone anywhere else like they're hanging around the bar all the time so it's just sort of like what's my relationship like with these people now what's my relationship like with my family my family right. who i see maybe once a year and i always fly them out to me and we're always like i'm meeting them on my territory now it happens when i have to go back home and meet them like in their territory where you know they have the upper hand there so i think that's what i want it to be and i think that sort of thing gels really well with christmas which is what this movie has a lot of i think it it fits in more with the theme of christmas rather than this idea of like christmas and the friend zone two great flavors you never knew you wanted together <laughs> uh so that's basically i think all i got the idea is you just like like the religious right says focus on the family mm. <laughs> yep just like they said just yep. just like that i agree with them on a lot of things yeah um not bad not yet i like it i like it uh I'll i like it, it. I, I sort of had two conflicting thoughts about this, mm-hmm. and the first was that I wanted to keep the romance and just make it work. Oh yeah, mine's not at all romance. I'm sorry, I wanted to yeah. throw that out there. Go ahead. Um, and I, I was like, well, maybe one way to do that is to sort of even the scales a bit, and so maybe um, there's no going back to the hometown. Maybe like everyone meets in like a neutral location. Like maybe like he's in New York for business and she's like visiting or something. And they like happen to be in the same hotel and they meet in the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went down that path for a little while and I abandoned it because I liked the home. Th- I liked the family stuff, but I liked the like going back to your hometown and falling into old habits. Mm-hmm. I do. Want, I think you could, you could keep some of the falling into old habit stuff with like you're falling into old rhythms with your friend. And you're not, you don't know how to act now because right. you haven't seen each other in a long time. Um, and so I think I do, ha- I do have to go back to the hometown because I want him to like be reminded of, you know, all these places where he has mixed good and bad memories. Yeah. Um, and I thought, what if Anna Faris was still in it? Because like, obviously she's a huge barrier to the romance and adds a big wrinkle and wrench to the plot. But she is so funny to have around. Uh, and how do you maybe do that better and have her not, like, again, just be the sort of, like, weird... Snag. Cock hungry. Yeah. yeah, like, <laughs> just, like, wants this yeah. guy for no reason. No one rocks the cock like Anna Ferris. Um, so I thought maybe they both came from the same high school mm-hmm. and they both were maybe nerds or losers for different reasons or, like, different, like, 
reviled social mm-hmm. groups back then. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, like, go off together, but they both Ended went off on their separate yeah. paths. And, like, now they're both in the same vague industry together or something. Um, or they both live in the same town. And she, for some reason, they have to go home. And I thought, I've actually been debating in my brain while you were talking over your fix about if I want to keep Christmas or if I want to have it be like a high school reunion thing. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I want to, I want to focus on the, it's sort of a growth point blank, like going back to your hometown for the first time in forever and like awkward encounters with like your old, the papers you had a crush on and all yeah. that nonsense. Um, but I like the idea that he is saddled with this person who like is insisting that they arrive together because they both live in the same city or because they were like on it doing a work thing together or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is just like a batshit crazy woman <laughs> who's like ready to like sort of like show up and, and sort of like brag about how great her life is. And she's sort of like trying to include him on this like, look at it, we're all fancy, like we all have like Porsches now and you guys are all working at used car dealership like Ring Ferris goes. So good. Um, it was good. Anna? Yeah, Anna. Are you here? Is that you? Uh, so yeah, she's she's kind of like you know there to sort of like I'm trying to think of words uh, phrases that I mean, but like basically show up all of her old. Uh-huh. Whereas like he's maybe reluctant to go at all because uh-huh. of how bad it was, but also because of like oh my god, is 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 she gonna be there? And mm-hmm. I do think I want Amy Smart to not have lived there. Mm-hmm. I want them. I think I'm gonna keep the sort of even territory by having them both be coming back. So it's not like he's coming back to this place that she is still familiar with at home. Uh-huh. She also is coming back and like maybe has had her own experiences and journeys. Because mm-hmm. I feel like she hasn't evolved much in the No. Movie. I have a weird question just real quick. Are you supposed to like pity her character in the movie? I think because a little bit. You see her working as a bartender. Are you, is your initial thought supposed to be like, oh, she's a know. bartender I think now? you're supposed to feel kind of... She's not necessarily bad for right, her, but I think you are supposed to think that she's having like, a bit of a struggle right she's now. She's conscious about it because she's like, I know. Right, know. yeah. Uh, it, so, that's, yeah it's, it's just such a weird little thing for me that doesn't really pan out in any meaningful way, but I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's fine. It's really, yeah, but that's pretty much what I want it to be like. If the three of them are still in the movie, but she's not really there to be like a third wheel. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. more just kind of like an obstacle to him getting her because she... You know, he's not really putting up this, trying to put up this front that much mm-hmm. about, like, oh, he's a big shot now, but she's right. kind of pushing this narrative of like, she thinks that she's helping him. Right, right. Of, like, we're both, like, yeah, we're both, like, so hot shots now. Yeah. You guys are, like, nothing. And he's, like, ugh. And he, but he can't, like, unshackle himself uh-huh. from this, like, person that he arrived with. Right. Um, and I think I want a lot of this sort of, like, humor and the romance to come from more of a place of, instead of the friend zone, just, like, not knowing how to act around someone that you are attracted to and that you used to be friends with and you just don't know what to do. And so you're like, it is that awkward, like, I don't know, like, I want to hug you, but I don't, maybe you don't want to hug me. And like, I've been watching a few shows that I think do that dynamic really well. And I think that that is a, a love ripe place for a lot of like comedy like yeah. comfort or, or like kind of pratfully comedy of like, just not knowing what to say or, or how to act around a person. Anyway, that's what I got. I like nice. that a lot. Um, mine, I also, I, I kept this pretty simple. Uh, I, I'm fine with him, you know, being, I guess he's like an A&R man at like a record company or something. I'm a little, I'm a little unclear as to what he is, but. Like, he's client services? Like, I can't really tell yeah, what the deal I mean, is, but. He's music industry. He's music know. industry. He does the music industry. Um, but, um, I, I'm fine with him, like, working in the, the record label, and that's how he maybe knows Anna Ferris. What I think I wanted to have it be is that, like. Anna Ferris is a pop star who is, I don't want her to be on the way up. I think that that's such a weird plot to stick in there of like, 
you need to stick by her because we really want her on our label. I feel like if you have her already established as a big star, it makes almost more sense why everyone's tripping over themselves to accommodate this weird monster. Mm. Um, and then it's, I, it, it, that just plays more believably to me, I guess. But I think I want essentially the catalyst for him heading back home or being forced to be back home is that um, she kind of has this like, I mean, I guess we'll say like a comedic artistic breakdown, but we'll, where she's like, I want to be real. I want to be an artist. And she like, we get like a scotch of that from her throughout the movie. And I thought that was kind of an interesting and potentially funny direction for that character to go. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking there would have been some reason, like maybe she was very, she finds this blue collar East coast image to be like more romantic or something. And she's like, that's where I'm going to go and like write this new album and record. And that is what takes them out closer to Newark. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be, there's, there's going to be some kind of hinkery going on of like, sorry, all the hotels are full. And like, that's why he's had to go back home. I think I want to keep all the family stuff pretty much the same. Not going to touch that. Um, I'm fine with Jamie still being here and him maybe like meeting her again. And then he's like confronting all of these old things. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. What I want to have it happen is I'm fine. I think he should act like an asshole in the beginning, but I think there needs to be a much more clear scene of him realizing a wow. That's like not who I was or who I should be because I think he'll kind of see like, wow, my like LA-ness and how I comport myself there makes me feel and look like a real dick here back at home. So I want there to be much sooner in the movie, a like realization of that. Mm -hmm. And that, um, that he and Jamie have an actual like history that we could get into and like inside jokes and quirks and stuff. And I think I would want him to sort of realize like, wow, I have been living in this, like manufactured identity of myself and it was all just over this like stupid rejection from when we were kids. Yeah. Like I almost, I hadn't even made up my mind whether or not I want them to get together. I almost just want them to like it to be a movie where you just get over your crush in high school. Like you're in your thirties now move past it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. Anywho. There's somebody who's like not gotten over that and has let, let their life be sort of informed by that. You're not a healthy person. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but you know, it is it is a rom com, so that people are no one's healthy in our No one's yeah. acting like humans. Yeah, don't start analyzing no. under a serious anyone in the rom com goes south really quickly. Yes it does. Twid, we recommend it. It's funny. I mean it's yeah. funny. It's I wish good, there was a super cut of just the scenes yeah. with his family and all that. Yeah, I think that there is YouTube. I think okay. you can see, like the family class. I think they've got a lot of the brother scenes. Okay, so. that's great. I would actually say though, I am a pretty solid yes if I'm gonna say recommend this. I'm not recommending it because this is a quality film that you must enjoy, but I'm recommending it because it's a very entertaining time. Yeah. I mean it yes, is. because it's it's funny and it's not a hard you don't have to give it your full attention. Yeah, you really do not. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a mild yes, I guess, for me at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about, what, do you remember what rom-com we did last year? Was it, uh, um, was it, um, time travel comedy with Meg Ryan and he, no. he Was that last year? That was the year, before. That year before. That seems, yeah. Can't Leopold is what you're thinking Leopold, that's the thing. I'd have to look I'm it trying up. to think, like, like, um, I feel like, Life Less Ordinary? That's mm, not really, a that wasn't a rom-com, no. I'm just thinking, like, based on the other February rom-coms we've Maybe done. Maybe Honor was last better. Fuck yeah. Oh, that's right. This is a much better movie than almost every <laughs> other rom-com. 
Now we've done. This is unquestionably. Well, wait till Siren Jeopardy in a couple months. Well, okay. Well, then I will say a better movie than any other like February yes. Valentine's Day rom com. This is so much more watchable than America's Sweethearts. <laughs> oh my god! I can't even tell you by leaps and bounds. Yeah. America's Sweethearts felt like I was being actively tortured yeah. at times. It was fucking awful. This is like. Not great. Parts of it don't hold up well at all, but there are parts of it that are really entertaining. So, you yeah. know, mild yes. Mild yes, this, yeah. This was, as I said, a lot more easier to swallow than a lot of the other Valentine's Day movies we've done. Kind of to go back to something we talked about in the mini about our rewatchable habits, this yeah. is definitely a, like, I'm laying on the couch on, like, a yeah, Saturday, I, I and, oh, this movie's on TV? Yeah. That's totally yeah. fine. I will probably watch this again come Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, so. you're bored and you need something. Why not? Yeah. You know what? You can put your eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the mark of a quality movie right there. <laughs> can you put your eyes on it? Then watch it. Well, uh, I loved it, guys. I loved this episode. Me too. I'm glad we finally did This was fun. Again, yeah. I'm glad we did it. This is a movie you've I... been telling us to do since 1998. <laughs> this, year, this is the year of Lee's romantic, awful movie. It truly she is. She shouldn't like. So I'm, I'm glad we finally got around to it. Me yeah. too. You know? It, it seems like it was a long time coming. Yeah, well, thanks for taking the journey. Of course, oh, no this was, it was delightful. Uh, uh, www.draftpack.com yeah. is our website. Facebook.com slash podcast is our Facebook. Give us a like there. And you can also rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what... See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.